Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Dr. Katie Blake. Dr. Blake is a social psychologist who, combining 20 years of experience in academia and more than 600 hours of mindfulness training, formed an innovative method of how we can evaluate and build our beliefs. It's actually trademarked. It's called the belief artisanship. Part of Dr. Blake's mission is to help women break free from the social pressures in their lives so they can believe for themselves. So she continues to take a keen understanding in how we form our beliefs, why we form them, and what we can do on a practical level when we realize it's high time to change them. In the academic world, Dr. Blake leverages her PhD in social psychology to continue to teach thousands of students. And I can tell that she's a fabulous teacher because her words just carry a lot of power. Let's get into this. Dr. Blake, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's just a pleasure, a joy. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm delighted to have you. And I want to get right into this because... I know that my audience is filled with women who like to learn and grow, and I have a favor. I was wondering, since you do have a PhD in social psychology, I thought maybe we could drop into a petite psych one-on-one lesson and just ask you to define what being self-determined means. Yeah, so as a social psychologist, I'll give you like the 10-second spiel of what that is. As a psychologist, one would study behaviors, emotions, thoughts motivators, all of those things that are within individual, a sociologist studies like person groups. So social psychology is the really cool bridge between the gap of the two. So we study how other people affect those individual things like our beliefs, our behaviors, our thoughts, our motivations, our emotions, right? So this is where for me, the conversation around beliefs gets really exciting and interesting. And there's this really delicate nuance there of how do other people affect our beliefs? And we can be, according to the research, other determined in our beliefs and thereby in our lives, or self-determined in our beliefs and in our lives. And this is a really important conversation for women because we are so much more likely to be other determined, meaning that our sense of control is essentially lying outside of ourselves. We feel like we aren't in control of what happens to us in our lives, the choices we make in our lives, the decisions that we make in our lives, and the behaviors that show up in our lives. We might feel controlled or compelled, I think is a really great word. How many times have you felt compelled to believe, think, say, or do something or be something right just because someone else has put this pressure on you? That's other determined. And self-determined is living intrinsically, which just simply means like living from within self. What are your own needs? What are your own goals? What are your own desires and wants for your life? And when we live from that internal place, that self-determined intrinsic place, 
we experience a number of positive outcomes in our lives. So that's the nitty gritty of other versus self-determined in social psychology. I love this social psychology lens because there's some overlap, but it's very fresh in terms of this perspective. And I love this distinction. I'm just going to mirror it back to you because I want to go even deeper into this. So the self-determined means we're kind of feeling deeply connected to ourselves and kind of living from that place and other determined, I'll use your words, I like the word compelled, because sometimes we think things, do things, say things, make choices that are really driven by other people or communities or society. Is that fair? That's totally fair. Okay. So if we are women who see other women living out maybe what feels like more of a self-determined life, and we really have no idea how to bridge that gap, where would be some places to start? Well, to be self-determined and to know what's happening internally, you really have to know who you are. To me, that's a place that we always have to start. Starting with self-awareness and how other people are affecting us, that's a big passion of mine, is helping women step into self-awareness for where they're being compelled. But then I would say the real rubber meets the road first step is identifying who you are, right? Because if you don't even know who you are, which is a message I myself have lived within and a message I hear a lot from other women, how do we know how to be self-determined if we don't even know what we want, what we need, what we desire in our lives? So it's really a first step for me. What has worked in terms of, because you've worked with thousands of people, I'm guessing lots and lots of women, and if they're kind of at that place where they're like, who am I? I like, that sounds great, but like, where does one begin on that journey? What are some practical things that you've shared that have worked for women to kind of explore that? Yeah. So my mentor studied something that we call in the jargony psychology world, relational identity. And that just simply means that women's identities are much more likely to be rooted in our relationships, right? As a generality in psychology, we're always talking in generalities. We're never putting people in boxes. But when we're comparing, women are generally more likely to be rooted in our relationships. So a practice that I love to have women do is kind of that piece of self-awareness and that wake-up call, so to speak, is to write out 20 I am statements. And generally, I would have women do that without this kind of like spoiler or, you know, prefacing. And generally, what we find is that women write, I am a mom. I am a wife. I am a sister. I am a daughter. I am all of these things that really are rooted and tied up with people in our lives. Men, on the other hand, are more likely to say, like, I am creative. I am successful. I am like adjectives instead of identity markers that are rooted in other people. And so my charge is to have women sit down and think about 20 I am statements that are just about who you are. And that can be tied to other people. So if a part of your identity is I am nurturing because of X, Y, or Z, then that is great. That is absolutely a value and a part of who you are, a piece of your identity. But we want to try to step out of that. I am only someone if I am in relationship with other people. And we can kind of unpack that more throughout this conversation. But I think that's a good synopsis of where to start. Yeah, I love that. Even just 
thinking about the contrast and and thinking, starting to get women, I talk about this a lot too, to think about themselves and their essence outside the roles they play. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, I love that. I definitely, the write out 20 I am statements, even, even if people kind of knew the punchline in this conversation, it would be an interesting exercise, I think, to try to just say, I'm going to write out 20 things I am or 20 things I want to claim mm-hmm. and think about in our lives how we can really show up that way. Yeah. One thing I love to talk about is your true self, your real self versus your ideal self. And so our ideal selves can be wrapped up in those I am statements. So if you want to be creative in your life and in your identity and in your beliefs or whatever that is or your garden, but you aren't living that way right now, put that down on your list, right? And we're aspiring towards that because it's something we ideally want to become. Love that. I want to talk about belief a little bit because I think it's a really interesting territory. And one thing that really struck me that I heard you say was, and this is a quote, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm here to teach you how to believe. I like that so much. So how do you help people learn how to believe something? How do we get clear on what we believe and distinguish that from kind of this outside sphere of influence? Yeah, absolutely. I think something that we see so often in women's spaces and women's wellness spaces is kind of this like guruship. And so we have women who are thought leaders and we tend to put them on pedestals, which is just natural human behavior. That's our instinct is to find someone in a position of authority and look to them for all of the answers. But that's something that I'm constantly trying to challenge women to safeguard against is like, I am not your guru, right? So I'm here to teach you how, not the what, right? And I think anytime we enter into listening to a podcast, reading a blog, reading a book, something like this, that's one of the first steps is like, okay, let me find the glimmer of wisdom here without making this person be the figure that I'm trying to become. And everything that they say in their book is now my belief system because we really have a tendency to be that way as as humans. And for me, I think it is absolutely making sure that we are befriending ourselves, finding out who we are, and beginning to not extract ourselves, but in some ways kind of build some distance between ourselves and other people. So if you think of concentric circles and you have all of the people in your life around your middle circle in the center, you want those circles to be overlapping in some ways. You don't want them to be completely separate. When we have our circle in the middle in spouse, friends, kids, coworkers, and they're not connected, that's a bad thing. So we don't want to let the pendulum swing to the side of not being connected at all. Because one of my biggest passion points is that we have to be connected to other people. But we also don't want those circles to be the same. We don't want the Venn diagram to be a circle, to be overlapped. So someone might be influencing me here in a good way, but I still have this centerpiece that is me. And so it's figuring out again what that is, figuring out who I am, and then learning to befriend myself. And I'm a big Brene Brown fan, and she talks a lot in her book, Braving the Wilderness, about that wilderness piece being an opportunity to kind of figure out who we are and belong to ourselves first 
because that belongingness piece is so vital and it's so important and it's such a strong driver and motivator that we tend to let people just tell us who to be so that we'll fit in. And we have to figure out how to befriend and belong to ourselves first so that when we express a belief that's different from someone else, we choose to make a life choice that's different from what our parents would want us to do, that rejection doesn't cause us to slip back into the hole of who we're not or who we don't want to be, right? And so it's it's kind of a big concept, but I really think it's important to know who we are and befriend ourselves so that we can always belong somewhere, even when other people might be rejecting us or making us feel like we're less than because we're not proclaiming their beliefs or living lives the ways in which they want us to. Hey, y'all, I wanted to pop in really quick because I have two super exciting things to share with the Electric Ideas community. First, I'm now offering one-off workshops for established groups of women. I've worked with everybody from a friend group to groups of women who work together but are scattered across the globe so we're never in the same room together to bond and connect. All of my workshops have the same signature style. There's mindful journaling, there's guided meditation, there's music. This is a unique experience for bonding, community building, and self-care all in one. Part of my secret sauce and why women love these workshops is because I have a ton of past life experience as a facilitator, and I know how to make things interactive and engaging and upbeat. So while you do feel dropped in and kind of introspective, I managed to make it feel accessible and fun. So whether you're part of a book club, a mom's group, maybe you've got a great set of female colleagues that you'd really like to just have a unique opportunity to connect with. You can visit my website at myelectricideas.com backslash workshops backslash for more information. Secondly, if you're not someone who's ready to take the plunge and do a workshop, I've still got you. This is the first week of spring and it is the perfect time to reflect on how we want to show up in this season of our lives. So I created a free gift for my community. It's a short, fun journaling workbook called Invite Intention into Spring. It's just a handful of questions that will help you reflect on the habits that you developed during the winter season that maybe you don't want to hold on to, some of your favorite spring activities and how to make sure those actually happen. And also explore what areas of your life feel kind of dormant after the winter season and that you're ready to reawaken. You can find a link to the website and the free gift in the show notes below. I hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for being a part of this community. Okay, let's get back to the show. Love that. I love a good visual too. I really like how you put that. What do you think some signs are that it might be high time we re-examine our own beliefs? If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling disappointed in what your life looks like, if you're looking around and you're saying, wow, none of this is mine. You know, if you're feeling that sense of, I want something more, I love Mary Oliver, so I love to quote, in my one wild and precious life, that's a really good sign that your beliefs are driving your behaviors because beliefs are simply just motivators. So all of the choices that we are making in our lives really start with our beliefs. I'm really passionate about that. And so if you find that you're making choices in your life or your life is starting to look like something that you didn't want, didn't envision, don't long for, then it's a really great marker for maybe we need to step back and look at our beliefs. Why can it feel so scary? 
to question our beliefs, especially ones that maybe we've held for a really long time. Our identities are so strongly rooted in our beliefs. Our beliefs generally become enmeshed with our beliefs. And so when we start to break down those beliefs, it's essentially kind of breaking down who we are. And that can cause us to be able to step back and again, brave that wilderness and find out who we are. But that's also a really scary place to be. And in addition to having that relational identity, women also have something that we call in psychology, I'll throw some more jargon at you, relationship contingent self-esteem. So our self-esteem is much more likely to be rooted in how our relationships are going as women. So sometimes when we begin to break down those belief systems and we're threatening identities and we're changing who we are and who we want to be, that just by default can cause challenges in our relationships. And when we begin to do that and maybe a partner, a family member, a friend is upset because you're changing. I don't even know who you are anymore. Now you're starting to live your life in this way and you were living your life in that way before. Then we start to feel differently about ourselves because our relationships feel challenged. And so for women, our relationships are so strongly tied and rooted in identity, self, our self-worth, our self-value. I think that's why it feels so scary because no one wants to be alone. No one wants to be rejected. And it feels like it's going to be that way. Oh my gosh, what are people going to think if I change this, that, or the other thing? And sometimes it's our perceived expectations of how people are going to behave and not necessarily how they actually do behave that feels so scary. Yeah, that's fascinating. That women specifically, I love I keep dropping the 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 research pieces. I I love it because the fact that our self-esteem is hinged on how our relationships are going, that makes a lot of sense. And I haven't thought about that. It just feels like that's one more kind of protective layer and barrier to changing. Cause I I agree. Belonging is something, you know, I think all humans crave, want, and deserve. So what's your Best advice for not letting the opinions of others cloud our beliefs in these situations. So self-determination is a theory in social psychology, and it has three components. And the first is autonomy. So I'll give you the jargony terms, and then I'll give you like the real talk definitions. Perfect. Perfect. We have autonomy, and you may have heard of that word, and we have competence, like we've heard of that, and then relatedness. And so that first piece of autonomy is really feeling in control. Like you feel in control of what happens to you. You feel like you have the power to decide how to live your life. You feel like you have some essence of being able to enact change. That's that competence piece. So feeling like you have the power to make changes when you feel like shifts need to take place. And then lastly, My favorite, favorite theory in in social psychology is belongingness theory. We have to be connected. So if you don't hear me say anything else in this 30 minutes today, it is that we cannot do this alone. But one of the things that I always say is that not all community is life-giving community. We have to find those connections that are filling us up and lighting us up. And connection for me is not just connection with others. It's that connection with self as well. So when we can find our control, find our power, and get our connection back with people in our lives who are lighting us up and with ourselves, 
then we have a really great protective layer for being self-determined. Those are the three seemingly simple key pieces of being self-determined in your beliefs in your life. Something that's really coming up for me as you're saying this is when we decide and kind of connect within and try to live and follow our callings and kind of get through that messy, murky time and just give ourselves permission to express. In my own experience, I found that I find connection in new ways that is so deep and fulfilling and different than if I was kind of hiding those pieces or not sharing those pieces of myself. So I just wanted to share that. Have you seen that with the women you've worked with? Yes, absolutely. With the women that I've worked with in my own personal life, once we can show up authentically, which has kind of become a bit of a buzzword, but I don't think that should dilute the importance of it. Um, When we can show up authentically, then we start to find our people. Absolutely. I feel like it's a big concept and you've given us so many great touch points, but is there anything else you would like my listeners to know and understand about self-determination? Because I know that's going to be a new term for some of them. What we find when people are other determined is that they tend to feel indecisive. They tend to feel confused in their lives. They tend to feel stuck. The jargony word for that in psychology is stagnation. We do not want to be stagnant, right? We want to be generative and we want to be free-flowing. We want to be growing. And when we are self-determined, we tend to feel vitality in our lives. We tend to have a greater sense of self-esteem. We have more resilience because we believe we have that power and control over our lives. And another thing that I think is really important to remember is that sometimes self-determination gets thrown into the box of selfishness. And that's not what we're talking about here. Because when we are self-determined, like you said, actually our connections, our relationships get healthier and happier and more whole, right? So for me, I think the really big takeaway is just understanding how this underneath it all is affecting our lives, right? In many ways where we're experiencing certain outcomes that maybe we don't realize are tied to the control, the power, and the connection that we feel in our lives. So for me, it's just a really important message to get out there to women that if we can step into this space and into this role, then we can find all of these beautiful things in our lives and leave behind the yucky stuff, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, this resonates with me so much because I think a lot of women get, and I, I've said this before, I'll say it many times, just get so used to being in this responsive mode in their lives and going through on autopilot and doing things without even questioning why they're doing them. And I think a lot of in my community, it's sometimes they think they're doing it from a place of service, like they're doing their family and their community and their jobs well. But I think we all know women who, when they step into the room and they're just in their own power and lit up with their own life, that that's really the type of energy that our families and our friends crave. And it can feel selfish, but I think that it really is what we need more of. And I think that's ultimately going to be better better for the world when women give themselves that permission to to step into that alignment. So right, right, that permission. So good. Love it. Well, one thing I I was so compelled. I you know, this is a total side note nugget, but I know you're a super 
serious gardener. And I just think it's really cool. I know that you even nurture rare succulents in your Texas home. So I just had to ask because it just seems too metaphorical to not tap into. What has your gardening practice taught you about life? With the women that I work with and in my own life, a lot of what's happening is kind of change, is is tapping us on the shoulder. We need to change this over here. We need to change this belief over here. And somewhere along the way, many of us have been fed the lie that change is bad, that we need to be loyal. We need to be consistent. In social psychology, we would call that belief perseverance. So we tend to value being consistent, being loyal, being perseverant in our beliefs. And for me, if you look at every living thing on the planet, a seed, a succulent, a flower, the universe even, it is constantly growing and changing. And we expect it to. If we plant a seed, we expect even in a couple of days that it's going to sprout and look differently. And we want it to. We want it to be constantly growing and blooming. So as living beings ourselves, why would we not want that same thing for ourselves? Why would we not expect that same things? And why would we? We would never go and stunt the growth of a flower. We nurture it. We cultivate it. And we want it to change and grow. And then at some point, it becomes something different. And that's okay, too. And there are seasons and cycles. And so for me, as living beings, we have to allow for that same fluidity and growth and beauty and freedom and change. Love that. Thank you so much. I always end my episodes in the same way. And that is by asking my guests, what's one question women should be asking themselves more? For me, it would be, are you the artist of your life? Are you being creative with your life? I love this Abraham Joshua Heschel quote that says, you know, you are the creator of your life. Your life is a work of art, right? You're not a cog in a machine. So go out and start creating this great work of art, which is your existence, right? And I think when we can begin to ask ourselves that, are we the artists of our own lives? Are we being creative with our lives? Things just like become in many, many different colors and just light up and become much more beautiful. So I think that would be the question. (laughs) What a beautiful reflection to end on. Dr. Blake, I know that people are going to want to find you. You have such a interesting perspective. So where can we find you, follow you, learn more from you? Yeah, I would love to hear from anyone who's listening. Um, You can find me on my website. It's drdrkatieblake.com. And I'm on all the socials at same Dr. Katie Blake. Wonderful. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at WhitneyWoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.